I would definitely suggest people choose more of a, of a niche because, and I mean, I started a long time ago, so my blog does have the age factor now that is quite helpful, but you definitely wouldn't want to start a worldwide blog now and try and take on, you know, the people with hundreds of thousands of visitors a month. Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hello, hello. My name is Kara, and welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today because if you've ever thought about one day starting your own travel blog, but you just haven't found the motivation, or perhaps you worry that you've missed the opportunity, this episode will surely inspire you to finally take the plunge. Megan Singleton of Blogger at Large is an industry veteran who first began travel writing in 2006 before launching her own blog in 2009. In today's episode, she shares why, despite increasing competition, she believes it is now easier than ever before to grow a travel blog that ranks highly on Google. And the key is SEO. Now, we've talked about SEO on the show before and its importance, But what I especially love about my talk with Megan today is she breaks down the exact formula that she uses to rank well on Google. She shares her process from start to finish, including the tools that she uses to find low competition, high value keywords, and the tools that she uses to then verify that the content that she's written is fully optimized. Also, a bit of a spoiler alert, but Megan also reveals that she doesn't write all of her own blog posts herself from scratch. After doing the research and determining her topic and her keywords, she then outsources the actual blog writing most of the time. And then once those blogs are complete, she'll go back and tweak it and make it into her own voice. And she goes into a lot more detail into that process on this episode, which I just found fascinating because it goes to show that if you are short on time and can't imagine ever being able to pump out new blog posts on a weekly basis, or if you find that initial stage of blog writing really arduous, there are other options out there. I loved my conversation with Megan, not only because she is super passionate and knowledgeable, but she also makes everything sound so achievable. She has such a go-getter attitude, but also a really pragmatic step-by-step approach to success. So I know you're going to walk away from this episode feeling inspired and ready to finally take your blog to the next level. We also touch on how she transitioned to eventually offering tours to her readers. So be sure to stick around until the end of the episode to hear our chat on that. 
And once again, no surprises, she makes it all sound very doable. Just one last note before we dive into the episode. As always, I appreciate any feedback you have on the show. So whether that's leaving a review, giving the show a rating, or just sending me an email or messaging me on Instagram, I really love to hear from you all. So please let me know what you think of this episode or previous episodes. It means so much. Also, if you could help me grow the podcast by sharing it with just even one friend uh, who perhaps is interested in travel entrepreneurship or just likes to hear interesting stories on women doing cool things in the industry, nothing beats a recommendation from a friend. So if you wouldn't mind extending a recommendation for this podcast, I would massively appreciate it. But without further ado, let's dive in and hear from Megan Singleton of Blogger at Large. All right. Hello, Megan. Welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Hi, Cara. Thanks so much for having me. I feel privileged, especially considering how far away we are <laughs> in the world. I know. I know. My day is just starting. Yours is coming to a yeah, close. Yeah, we just had an early dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm having my first cup of coffee, so yeah, I yeah. love the way we can connect. <laughs> I thought I'd better not have a wine for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Could have made it interesting. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so let's like, hear about who you are, where you are, uh, and then we can talk more about your travel blog and business. Yeah, great. So I'm Megan Singleton, and I am a New Zealand-based travel blogger, or Kiwi, <laughs> and started blogging actually in 2006 when I was invited by a national travel agency here in New Zealand to to blog for them twice a day, five days a week for three years. I wrote posts for their website, just short little posts. I mean, you know, there was barely even social media. There wasn't even Facebook. You couldn't even promote a blog post in 2006, <laughs> really. So they just had a tab on their uh, homepage and I would kind of just rewrite press releases and things and put those up into kind of you know, lay speak for, you know, and just get content. And I guess they were kind of savvy. They kind of understood about keyword research and they knew that the keywords were going to draw traffic to the site to obviously buy travel. So, but in 2009, they decided to terminate the blog and that's when I went out on my own and I developed a blogger at large and yeah, I was thrilled to find that domain name was available. And, and then I was, I, I remember being away, I was in, on a media trip in Tahiti and I came up with the idea because someone had said to me, well, you should just go out on your own. Blogging is going to be a thing. And so I had this brainstorm with myself that I would look up, you know, domain names and I found bloggeratlarge.com. So I bought that and then, but that was the start of the GFC. 2009. So not only did businesses not have the budget at that point, they were being pulled back on all sorts of budgets, but they didn't even know what blogging was and why they would want to invest in in a blog anyway. So it was pretty much just just a hobby, just a side hustle. I knew nothing about SEO. In fact, I've really only mastered SEO in the last couple of years, ridiculously. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's inspiring. That's it gives people a bit more confidence maybe to try try going for yeah. something new, even if they don't have all the tools yet. You can develop those skills years, totally. even years down the line. That's I think that's my life's philosophy, to be honest. I just start things 
quite quickly. And then I learn it as I go. My latest thing at the moment is printables. <laughs> I'm trying to learn out, learn how to create printables for download. I've got a whole new different site targeting my American readers and their inspirational images to be downloaded or printed onto canvases or notebooks or jigsaws. And that's, I'm just trying to get my head around how that will really work. The only two sales I've made are to myself at this point while I test the product. <laughs> But it's good fun. Yeah, good. It's it's good to try new things and just see what works. And yeah, like you said, learn as you go. That's the yeah. best way you can learn. Yeah. And there's so much resource out there with groups, Facebook groups and all sorts of things like that to just glean advice from people are so generous with their advice. And so, yeah, so I, I've sort of just loved that chatting with people over those groups and yeah. It makes such a difference having some kind of community to connect with as well. Yeah. So so Blogger at Large, you decide you're going to start it. Do you have any kind of focus in terms of a niche or are you speaking to a specific audience? Or even if you didn't at the start, what, what would you say? What did you hone eventually? Mm. So that was a long time ago. I mean, so no, I had no niche. I was just everything travel. So I, I was already a freelance travel writer and I already had been published across lots of newspapers, magazines, and did some TV and some, you know, so I had been traveling a lot. I'd lived in London for five years. I'd gone back and forth. I'd lived in the States for a year and I'd, I think now I've probably visited about 60 times to the US. So I just had a lot of content, a lot of things to to talk about. So I just started doing everything and categorizing things by country. I mean, a few years ago, I started some blog training classes and I would definitely suggest people choose more of a, of a niche because, and I mean, I started a long time ago, so my blog does have the age factor now that is quite helpful, but you definitely wouldn't want to start a worldwide blog now and try and take on, you know, the people with hundreds of thousands of visitors a month. I mean, to get there would just be almost impossible from this point, I think. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, the more I read about it, the more it seems like it's the age of the micro-influencer. It's like, you find, it's it's not even finding a niche, it's finding a tiny, tiny little corner of the internet where you can really focus and have an, a level of expertise that others in that industry aren't able to do so. So yeah, it's, it's crazy how much it's changed. And I mean, you've been in the industry for so long now, what are some of the things that you've noticed over the last 15 years? Just how easy it is to do SEO. And it used to absolutely flummox me. And I remember doing some freelancing on the side and I, I had a, a guy want me to just do SEO for the, all their digital accounts. And I just didn't even know where to begin. Like you actually had to invent the wheel every time you were needing to do some research around a particular you know, post or, or theme of anything. And I just found it overwhelming. And in the end, I just said, I'm not very good at this. And I, I just stopped doing that work. But now there's tools, which are really affordable, that just, oh, they're just amazing. And I've now written some, some continuing to do it, as, as I say, everything I just start and I publish, and then I will keep working on it. But I've written a, you know, how to make money blogging tutorial, and I'm up to module three of, well, who knows, I think it might be eight. I'm not sure. And um, I'm just getting across that whole, how easy it is to do keyword research. And I just didn't even know that that's what you should do before you even started writing. I mean, obviously you still write your passion posts and 
things that you just loved because I just like there's a the All Blacks are the New Zealand rugby team and uh, at the moment Ireland are down here and so it's a bit of a big deal and there's this new attraction in Auckland called the All Blacks Experience and I went along to that and just had a lot of fun and just wrote a post about that well that's you know my New Zealand traffic is not where my money is but that's just a bit of fun and I loved it and so that's going to be helpful in the school holidays for readers and yeah so you're still going to do those posts of of your own things that you love but when you want to follow the money then you've got to do the keyword research And let's get into that a little bit, because I'm interested to hear about your process for keyword research. Like, do you start with an idea and then verify it with your keyword tools? Or do you use your keyword tools to get uh, some ideas going? Talk us through that a little bit. So I basically work out where my audience is coming from, what they're reading, and write more of that. And I just follow them. And so I had I have a lot of success with my American content. In fact, 80% of my readers are US-based reading about US destinations. So I will now niche down into the various cities that are doing very well for me. Now, they most of them, uh, yeah, all of them at the moment that are rating I have been to reasonably recently. So I can add my own anecdotal stories. But what I'm doing is I'm hiring freelancers, Cara. That's what I'm doing. Wow. Because honestly, the money's in the US for travel. Uh, That's where the advertisers are wanting to pay to get in front of the US eyeballs. And so while I've got lots of blogging friends outside of the US and even family members here in New Zealand, you know, the RPMs are so low on non-US readers that... Yeah, that was that. so I just I just follow that. So, for example, I had a post that did really well on New York City of all. Like, you'd think there was so much competition. But I use a tool called Rank IQ. I don't know if you've heard of that. Brandon no. Gailey is the founder of that. He's got a podcast called The Blogging Millionaire, and it's phenomenal. And he's a very straight-laced guy. But he's developed this tool that doesn't cover like a billion keywords it covers the top 30 sites ranking for that keyword and within about a minute you might go okay things to do in New York City you'll type that in in about a minute it'll come up with the top ranked posts for that phrase and then it will come up with all the keywords that need to be listed in that post to make it rank to make it outrank what's already there Honestly, it's been a game changer. So then what I do, I then go to my freelance writer pool. And to be honest, I've just found them over trial and error on Fiverr. You know, I've used other writing companies and things and I've not ever been really that happy. It's not that easy to use, but Fiverr have been great and I've found some lovely writers there and I've been using them a lot. And so then I just, when I put my... um pitch for my job in, I just list the keywords that need to be included in the post, which helps them out. At the end of the day, they don't have to do all the research, but you know, there might be like 15 things that need to be mentioned in that post for me to get the A ranking that I'm after. And then they come back with the copy and then I go through and, and kind of rewrite it into my voice and then go and add the images. I'll source the images and then put the post together and Honestly, and and then because that one did so well, I thought, right, let's do some more New York stuff. So then I did rooftop restaurants in New York. That's the number one post on Google right now. 
me from Auckland, you know, like it's just, it blows me away that I can rank for that. And I'm in touch with the various bars and, and the restaurants that I have mentioned in my post and one of them particularly she's great she emails me every season when they update their menu <laughs> so that was really cool and so then I thought well okay what else about New York so I've, I've done flea markets I've done day trips I've done brunches I mean you, you know you could just go right down and all I'm doing is making sure those posts interlink so that when the new New York, new York post goes up it, it earns some love from that really popular New York post. So straight away, it's going to start ranking reasonably quickly because of that interlinking as well. That's great. That's It sounds like such an easy system when you say it like that, but yeah. I've, I've found it incredibly challenging in the past. Yeah. Are you, in terms of the research for the post, so you will provide these freelance writers with keywords are they then having to do the research themselves in terms of this? what are the best rooftop restaurants in New York or do you provide that info as well? No, well, I've provided, so some of those restaurants will come up in my in this research tool that these ones must be mentioned, you know, like basically because the 30 posts that rank for these keywords in common, they've got like maybe 10 of these restaurants. So you've got to cover those. And then I'll ask them, I mean, before I commission the writer, I will ask, you know, if they know New York, when were they last there? You know, because I want a little bit of anecdotal, you know, like this has a great cocktail or this has got the best views or, you know, go for sunset, something like that. So I do just qualify them a little bit before I commission them. And yeah, then I I tell them what posts need to be in it. And then I say, or and any others that you know that are cool, because you always want a little hidden gem that isn't going to be in the guidebooks. It isn't going to be in the blog posts that that's over the Brooklyn Bridge and people wouldn't know about it, you know, so you've got to, you want, I always want to have something like that as well. Yeah, that's great. And, and how are you monetizing these or are you monetizing these posts? Yes, I'm with Media Vine. So I joined them in 2017 I think and again I hadn't even heard of them until 2017 and I just happened to be listening to a webinar and another really successful blogger just threw it away that she was with Mediavine and they you know are an advertising network they deal just with bloggers and if you've got more than 50,000 sessions a month you'll get accepted into Mediavine depending on your niche but they 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 cover all the, the the niches really and so I got accepted there, but again, I wasn't ranking, I wasn't earning a lot of money because my blog posts were not on page one of Google. So so while that was great, you know, and then of course when COVID hit a couple of years ago, my RPMs went down to about $5. No one was reading anything to do with travel and all the DIY blogs and the cooking blogs and the homeschooling blogs, the gardening blogs. I mean, they all went crazy Um, and the knitting and everyone like, you know, having a great time and all the travel bloggers are like crying into their empty suitcases, (laughs) you know. But now there's such a pent up demand for travel that it's really come back with a vengeance. So, and in that time, in the last two years, I've gone and done all of this. I've updated old posts. That's a big, big key, especially if your blog is a bit older and you've got some content on there. You've probably got content that isn't ranking very well, but could do with a rewrite and especially running it through one of these AI tools. And you could suddenly find yourself with not too much work, jumping right up the rankings and getting onto page one. 
So when you say AI tools, are you, is that another, is that an additional tool? So there's a lot of AI tools around that will help you with your keyword research and they, they all charge different amounts you know, for a monthly fee. So I use KeySearch. I don't I don't know what you use, but I pay for that tool as well. It's not very much. I think it's about 50 bucks a year or something. I don't know. I didn't look it up actually. But so so KeySearch doesn't have a restriction for the amount of time I can go in and, and search for words. So what I'll do there is I'll I'll type in say rooftop restaurants or actually firstly this is an example that I did. I typed in rooftop bars, New York City, and the competition was way out of my league. And but in that list, you know, in the reds, and I can't call it. I don't qualify for red. Uh, was some greens, and the greens were rooftop restaurants. So I did that and still saw that the search traffic was high. So then I went over to Rank IQ, which is the tool that I like, and I ran my report. And so you get sixteen reports a month for about. 50 US dollars, something like that. And then, so I ran my report and then it came up, as I said, with all the lists of keywords. And then what's really cool about it, I'm just telling you, write the cheat sheet. This is totally the cheat sheet. So then you commission your work or you write it, or maybe it's a post you've already got that you're going to update. So then you copy all the content that you've already got. In fact, it's easier if you go into WordPress and you convert it to code and then you just copy all the code and then you paste it into the Rank IQ optimizer and it will give you a rating out of a plus and often I'm an f for like if it's old content and I haven't worked on it and I didn't know about SEO and I'm not even you know I think it's a nice story because it's about what I did when I went to Santa Barbara something I'll get an f and then it will show me all the keywords that I should include it's really cool it's so cool and I go ah well, I can include that. I've done, I've been to the beaches, I've done the wineries, you know, and you just things like, yeah, 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 of course I can do that. Or maybe I do a little research. It might say it should have the Museum of Art. It should have all these other things in it. So I'm going, okay, so I'll go off and research the Museum of Art and I'll add that in the post and then I'll update it and I'll see where I rank. And then maybe I want to see like, oh, it's quite exciting. So, oh, okay. I've got to see, I'm going to go back. What other words am I missing? And you know, it gives me more. So I go in, I include those more words and then I'm on an A, but the actual, ultimately I want is A plus plus. So like, okay. And it gives you what word count you should have. So, you know, if you're well under, like if you're a thousand, two thousand words under what the top ranked blogs have for the for that search term then you want to update and get a little bit more content and just yeah and so honestly since I've been using this tool I've got so many posts now on on page one it's just a game changer wow and what what is your what is your traffic like uh, at the moment And, and how has it changed since you started to really focus on SEO yeah so it's now about 120,000 page views a month now with after the end of COVID, it's just, it's really going off and it's plateauing a little bit right now in the summer, which I didn't expect it to do actually. Uh, and every now and again, you'll get a viral post. Like I had a post that's actually went gangbusters this time last year on Graceland, on Elvis's house, right? And I was like, why is this post ranking so well? And it turned out I was featured in Google Discover. Also, I didn't even know about Google Discover. And then suddenly I got thousands and thousands of page views to this one post. And it ran like that for months and months and months. And because August is the anniversary of his death, and actually now we've got the movie out, 
but that's not really ranking right now. And I'm like, oh no, have I fallen? But I'm not. I'm still right up there behind Graceland itself. My blog is next. So I think it's just search search intent isn't just there right now. Um, it might be in August when you, when you come up to the anniversary of his death because they have Elvis week and all the Elvis boffins dress up and look like him and wear their onesies and go to Graceland and have, have a big event and you know <laughs> and they live stream it. So yeah. yeah, amazing. It just shows that there's so many factors that go into it. You can do everything right. You can do all the research right. You can get that A plus plus ranking. Yeah. And for whatever reason, people yeah. in the summer aren't researching yeah. Graceland. <laughs> and, and you can still have your A++ ranking, but it also depends how fast is your blog? You know, are you passing core web vitals? And that's all around. Are your images lazy loading, which is what Mediavine do with their ads? They lazy load the ads so it keeps the site going quite fast. Age of a blog helps if you just started a blog a month ago and you might have had an A++ you're probably still not going to get to page one. Interlinking is really important between your posts uh, and obviously getting backlinks. And that's another really big qualifier for for how to grow your traffic. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Could you speak a little bit more on interlinking and on backlinking and what that means and, and how you do it? Yeah. So interlinking is obviously just linking your relevant content and you can get plugins that do that, but ultimately you don't want too many plugins on your blog because you could slow it down. But um, so you want to do related posts or actually you want to, you want to organically work it in. So I'm working on a post tonight and it's on Santa Barbara and, but I mention about my favorite cities in the U S and I happen to mention, cause I love New Orleans. I've been there seven times. And so I just put that in there. And so I put a link into my New Orleans guide. And then I've got other posts like day trips from LA and it features Santa Barbara in it. So somewhere in that post, I'm going to include that one that includes my, you know, day trips from LA. So it allows Google to crawl all your pages that are linked much more quickly than if they were like a siloed or orphans. In fact, orphan posts just really won't get picked up at all unless they happen to go viral, and that very rarely happens. So you, every post should really be interlinked, uh, but in a natural way, not just listed at the bottom, although you can do that as well. You know, you might like to read, and then you can list like your favorites or things that maybe are loosely related. That's quite a good idea. Yeah, you want to create a bit of a spider web, don't you? Yes, yeah. And then the backlinks are what you want is high authority sites to link back to your content. And to do that organically is pretty hard. For a start, you'd probably have to, you'd have to be on page one of Google and you'd have to probably be in the first three spots really to get too many organic backlinks. But there are um, Facebook groups where bloggers will will swap links with each other not post to post, but like, you know, you might link to my New York post and I'll link to your London post. And then, you know, that that's sort of how, how that works. And then your domain authority and my domain authority can help each other and that, that sort of thing. So I do a little bit of that, but Google sort of frowns on that. Google's a little bit smart. And so I don't do a lot of that. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm a bit scared of, of the Google gods <laughs> to mess with them. <laughs> I think it's I think you're right to be scared because they can definitely punish mm. web pages when and as they see fit. So yes. you do want to be careful to to not to always fall within their guidelines. Yeah. yeah. Any other suggestions on how to get backlinks from these high ranking pages other than trying to connect on yeah, blogging well, Facebook groups? 
particularly for American-based bloggers, there's there's a mailing list called HARO, Help Our Reporter Out, H-A-R-O, and they send about three emails out a day from journalists looking for quotes. And that is a really good tool to subscribe to that list within your niche. And they might be looking for tips for road trips with children or something. And then if you've got something to say on that, you can then reply to that email with your pitch and uh, hopefully get picked up. And you could get picked up by the big, you know, New York Times, Washington Post for doing that. So definitely look at Haro. And then guest posting really is the other one. Try and get a guest post gig for a high authority website. That's that's always a good one. Or, you know, or a podcast interview like this or a radio interview. I'm actually the Sunday travel correspondent on a big nationwide radio here in New Zealand. So they linked out to my blog from that, which is great. So good. So wonderful. (laughs) So how many, how many blog posts are you pushing out each month? Do you try and stay consistent with a set number? Nah, I'm not. uh, Nah, (laughs) I just do what I like. I like being the boss of me. Well, because I'm starting to see immediate results from well-researched posts and these posts will take, you know, they'll take two weeks for the freelancer to write it. And then they'll take another week for me to rewrite and edit it and find all the images and cut them and put them in. But I know that they're going to be evergreen and I know that they're going to rank. So I put that effort in. Whereas I can flick out a post in a couple of hours if I, you know, just had some fun and I'll do that as well in between. I mean, one a week, yeah, maybe sometimes a bit more. Yeah. Sometimes. Still, I mean, that's still a lot. That's still, you're pushing out a lot of content. Well, I'm full time. I mean, this is all I do, really. All I, I say, that's all I do. I've got two online stores and, yeah, run my tours and, yeah, go to the markets every Saturday with some, I import leather handbags from Italy <laughs> and I sell those at the oh. markets and they tided me through COVID. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I love a multi-passionate entrepreneur. That's great. <laughs> I really want to talk about your tours, uh, but before I do that, I just have one more question on SEO and blog content, and that is, where are you sourcing your images from? Are these your own? Are you using certain sites? No, I I have to buy them now. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I'm in New Zealand. I haven't traveled anywhere for, you know, two years, and certainly the topics and destinations I want to write on, I'm not going to be able to physically get there anyway. So I have a subscription with Deposit Photos and once a year, maybe even twice a year, they'll do an amazing deal where you can get like 100 photos for $30 and you can bank them so they don't expire. So I've bought like, I bought 400, a package of 400. And so I'll use those. I'll use Unsplash, Pixabay, you know, I don't mind using the deposit photos ones because I pay for those and everything. But with those free sites like Unsplash and Pixabay, I would just say I have been reading from some bloggers getting caught where people um, are uploading photos to those sites, but they don't actually own them. And you as the person who downloads doesn't know that. So I've had a few people email me and go, you're using one of my images on your post and they'll send me uh, the link to their post and I'll go, oh, gosh, I don't steal images. What the heck's that about? And I, it was a, it was a Muay, Muay Thai box, kickboxing photo, this particular one in Thailand. And I hadn't, you know, I mean, I've got thousands of photos and I've got nearly a thousand posts on my blog. 
So I'm like, oh, I don't know where that came from. Anyway, I went to Pixabay and there it was. That was the one. And of course, that has got the writer's credit or, you know, the photographer's credit. And so I emailed back the link to the Pixabay photo and said, well, this is where I got it. Who is, you know, whatever's name then, if that's not, if it's your photo, who is it? Never heard back from them. So it's also a way that they'll try and scam you. So when you're not using your own photos, you've got all these little quagmires of things to have to sort out from time to time. And yeah, so first, you know, first priority would be take your own. Second priority would be pay for them. Third would be use them from the free websites, but be careful. Yeah. And in fact, if I use them from the free websites, I'll attribute them. So if anyone is trying to scam me, they can go to that link of whoever that person was that uploaded the photo and they can take it up with them. That's a really good point because that is a risk that you take with those free photo sites. And also you, you I've, I find myself seeing the same images yes. in different places all yes. the time. And my first thought is, oh, that's just a stock image. Yes. Whereas even though I know lots of people use stock images, if it's paid for, it's it's so less common yeah. to, to yeah. see. So it really makes a difference. I tell you what else works too, is if, for example, say my restaurant post in New York City, go to their Facebook pages, drop them a message and just say, hey, I'm featuring you in a in my top you know restaurants in New York City. Can I please uh, have permission to use one of your images? And I've done that this week for a barbecue post actually. And they've come back, at least two of them did, delighted. Absolutely, please, we'd love it. And, and one guy got my email address and he sent me six images to use. So that's another way around it. Because often, you know, if you were, I mean, I don't write blog posts about things I don't like. So my posts are always going to be like, do this, do that. You'll love this. And so if I can go to the source of that place and say, can you get me a photo of your rooftop? You know, they'll often do it or they'll have something on Facebook that you can use. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, just before we go into the tours, because I'm really excited to talk about them, I just want to hear your approach to social media, whether you spend that much time on it. Yeah, just what, what what's your take on on that? Yeah, it's, it's ever-changing, isn't it? I do. I do spend a lot. I get a lot of engagement on um, Facebook from my New Zealand audience. I've got nearly 11,000 Facebook followers. Most of them would be Kiwis, but as I said, the money's not with those readers much as I love them so but that's great because actually they're great for my tours so when we talk about that I'll tell you about a little bit more about that I've been up and down with Pinterest but actually Pinterest is my second highest referrer behind Google for traffic so I had a tailwind subscription and then I cancelled it and then I reinstated it and I figure well if you know at the moment I'm getting about 300 clicks a day from Pinterest and I'm like well you know that's worth it I think I've paid maybe I, I upsized the tribes or something I don't know what I did or my 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 loops or something and um, I think I've paid maybe about 300 US for the year and then that just and then I can loop my pins that they'll just post several times a day and that's where the American audience is so I think that's worth it I don't do anything there. I mean, I go in, I, I make a few pins for a new post, and then I just leave it. Yeah, so my engaged audience is Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but only because I started early. But it's a, it's horrible. Twitter's horrible. I don't get any traffic from Twitter, and they're just people that rant and rave about the government. <laughs> so I participate on Twitter. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's like in, in the UK, but that's what it's like here. 
Yeah, I've, I've never been on Twitter. It's one of those social media platforms that have just never interested me. Yeah, they're, it's for journalists and politicians and otherwise I steer clear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, great. Well, yes, please tell us about your tours because I'm so interested in how you've transitioned into that aspect of your business. When, do you, when did you decide to start offering tours and where to? Yeah, so I must have my first tour was 2017 and again it was probably just someone might have suggested it and I was like oh that'd be fun because I mean I've, as I said to you I've been a travel writer and then travel blogging so I've been around the travel industry for quite a long time and um, and so I know a lot of agents and airline people and, and hospitality people and and so I thought well that could be quite fun why don't I just see if I can put something together and and if my readers and my listeners on the radio would want to come with me. So I used a travel agent. I still do. I use various ones for, for various destinations because I'm not a registered IATA broker and neither do I want to be. Uh, that's just another hat I don't want to wear. So I used an agent and then together we put the itinerary together as to where it would go and, and what we would stay, accommodation, what that would be like and we had a guide with us the whole time and then I marketed it. So my job was to market it and they put it together and I add a, they give me a, a wholesale price. I add um, a commission and, I, you know, you do your research so you work out, well, what does that tour cost in the market? What can I charge? You can't just put any old price on. You're going to see what people will pay and you can't really, you know, charge too much because uh, people are, com are comparing it. Yeah, so my first tour was to Vietnam and it was probably, it's been the most disastrous one I've ever hosted. <laughs> <laughs> I had one lady in hospital for, was she 24, 48 hours? I had no idea that rice was so dangerous when it got lukewarm. Um, <laughs> but she had eaten the congee in the hotel for breakfast and she just fell apart on a temple tour. <laughs> and I had to do things that were beyond my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> And anyway, we got her into hospital and the yeah, so that was all good. She had insurance and so that was all good. And everyone has to have insurance on my tours. It's just something that we make sure happens. And but it was really fun and we were eleven people and we had a we had a we did planes and coaches and you know, it was just great fun. So I did another one to Italy the next year. That was fantastic, actually. And I had a actually he's a Kiwi guy, but he went to Italy to play rugby and he lived there for 20 years and he set up a travel business while he was there and so he knows the place inside out in Rome and he put this tour together with lots of his contacts on the ground showing us around and stuff oh it was just brilliant and then in 2019 I took a tour to the states actually to New Orleans and Memphis and um, we just got amongst the music and had the best time uh, and then I went to China took a group big group um, 19 of us to China at the end of 2019, which was pretty close when you think about it. Um, <laughs> so that was epic. That was so good and so slick and so well put together um, with the people who did that for me. And we did a Yangtze River cruise and I had been to China a couple of times before and I added a shopping tour in Shanghai where we all had clothes made and we had, in fact, these glasses I'm wearing <laughs> got them made. Yeah, so we just had the best time. And in fact, today, I just had a phone call from someone saying, would I be interested in hosting a Vietnam trip again? 
because they would love to set it up for me. So yeah, so we're going to work on that and maybe maybe go this year, maybe do some Christmas shopping. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah. is that how it usually works? The agents will approach you and say, I've got this great destination. Would you want to promote it to your readers? Yeah, no, actually, no, that's the first time it's worked out that way. Yeah, but she she's someone who I've, I went to China with on in fact and then I hosted the tour to China using their company but they actually deal with wider than China they do Asia so yeah just she just rang me today how how funny and then we're speaking now (laughs) so yeah so I've so I've got a a, a Facebook group uh, my blogger at large tours group on Facebook it's a private group where people who are interested in my tours can join and then so I've already just put on there hey just got a phone call you know, interested in hosting a tour to Vietnam. Yeah, who who thinks that sounds fun, you know, and these are the kinds of things we do. And so we're sort of having dialogue over there and people are going, oh, yes, but not this year. I'm like, oh, it's going to be this year. Sorry, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's actually quite good. So I've already got, like, a, I set up a private group. It's got about 360 people as part of that. And then I can, um, that's a way, I, that's the main way I market it actually. And then I can sort of seed it first, get some buy-in, get some feedback, get some, oh, look, yes, but I'd love to make sure we did this or yes, but I can only do April or whatever. And so, yeah, putting it out there first and giving them a bit of a VIP, you know, sneak peek into what the tour would look like before I actually officially upload it on the site and and then market it. That's incredible to have an audience there that you can just pull and based off of their feedback, you can, you know, tweak whatever you're offering. That's incredible. Yeah. So I just came back from Rarotonga two weeks ago. Um, The Pacific Islands are just opening up for us and uh, it was fantastic. And I thought, oh, that'd be such a great, I'll just do a girl's trip, you know, be fun. And everyone was, there was so many people keen. And then can't get flights, just just too busy, can't get hotels, can't get flights. So had to put that on the back burner. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. Do you offer do you offer flights with your tours or do you just advise people to meet at a destination? Yeah, both. When I first started, it was the whole package because I was just promoting it to New Zealanders and we would all be flying out of Auckland. So now I've I've got two cruises I'm hosting next year. One is around New Zealand, so it's from Auckland and then it goes around, finishes in Sydney. But the other one's a Greek Islands cruise and that will start in Venice. So people can meet there. And then I'm going to do an Italy land tour before then. But you see, it's we're, we're talking September, so it's more than 12 months out. I can't get the costings through just yet. So, so everyone knows it's coming. Everyone's like, but I, I want to do the Italy tour as well. So it's like, yeah, 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 but I haven't got that through yet. <laughs> and so... What we'll do is we'll finish in Venice so that people can get a chance to wander around there because the ships don't dock in Venice anymore, as you will know. So you've got it's about a two-hour drive across to where you get the ship from now. So we won't need to do that on my tour. We we can go into Slovenia or something on that day when the ship is based in Trieste and um, everyone else can go to Venice and we won't be crowded by tourists. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's amazing. So yeah, so people can fly in. I am costing it out without airfares now because a lot of people also had airline credits that they've got to use and also it keeps the price. And visually it looks much more enticing because it doesn't have the airfare included. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You you think about it and if you see a $5,000 price tag versus a $2,000 price tag, suddenly even if you're going to spend that anyways. 
Yes. And then some people want to do a stopover somewhere and so they can only travel on that airline and yeah, so I don't, yeah. And then it means they can come from wherever they like. The tricky thing is that airlines no longer pay commissions to travel agents. And so you'll be hard pressed finding a travel agent who is happy to just do the booking for you and not earn anything. And what we're seeing here in New Zealand, and I don't know if you're seeing it as well, is that agents are going to start charging a booking fee, a travel planning fee to put your itinerary together, maybe $100, $200, $500. And then they'll spend the day or the week working on your itinerary, but they can't do it for free anymore. Interesting. Is that post-COVID that that's changed? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. It's pretty it's a bad. New, it's a new world, isn't it? And they, can, <laughs> and they can they can do it because if they all do it in one big go, well, we've got no competition, right? You need to get from New Zealand to Rome. There's only a few airlines that you can take. Yeah. Well, this has been such a fascinating conversation. You make it all sound so easy and doable, but I know there's so much work that goes into to making all of this happen. I would love for you to share... Any any advice for people who are really interested in starting their own blog? They have dreams about someday, you know, leading tours for their readers. What advice can you give to people in that stage? Just go for it. I just get such a thrill. I love to get up in the morning and just shoulder into whatever it is that I've got in my mind to do. I mean, my morning routine includes a walk and I listen to an inspirational podcast. I have coffee with my neighbors every morning. I don't come back and look at my computer till about 10.30. And then I've got my orders that came in in the stores overnight and I might package up some of those. And then I work like till late at night because I love what I do. And when an idea pops into my head, I'll push it as far as it will go until it doesn't go any further. And to be honest, like I've probably had more failures at things than I've had successes. I've tried more things, you know, than I've ever achieved. But that's just the journey of keeping you on the on the right path, right? Otherwise, I'd be down another path and up another another mountainside. So I quite like this, and I, and I'm like, well, all my plates are just spinning quite nicely right now. And I think that's what I learned about COVID. I thought I had diversified because I had. My travel store, which was an online store, <laughs> I had my travel tours, I had my travel blog, and I had my travel, you know, other writing. I thought I was diversified. Hmm. Not when travel falls over. <laughs> <laughs> so, but all that to say, tours are a diversification. They're a little income stream. If you're starting blogging from scratch, I would jump onto Brandon Gailey's Blogging Millionaire Facebook group and start listening to his podcasts. He goes right back with the whole get-go. You would look at maybe which uh, genres or which niches are paying well and pay the best and which are the most competitive because maybe you don't want to be, maybe you just don't have 10 years, (laughs) you know, to work on it. Um, You want to rank really quickly. And if you do want to rank really quickly, you can do that as well. And I would niche into a city. And then I would be the absolute guru on everything in that one city or county or state. That's what I would do if I started again. So I would pick the state. You know, I'm a big believer that what you, your success is probably already in your hands, but you just can't see it. So what's in front of you right now are the things that you're already passionate about, that you've already got some experience of, that maybe you just didn't even rank it very highly as far as thinking it was very important. And if you could turn that into income, 
what could that look like? And then just go, just go there, just start, you know, writing the content, doing the podcasts, meeting all the operators. If you're going to go in the travel thing, making a, a name for yourself, getting published in, in newspapers, magazines, um, radio, just, yeah, being as loud and as big as you can in that one niche. That's what I'd do if I started again. I love, I genuinely, I'm sitting here thinking, forget the podcast. I want to be a travel blogger and focus in on a particular city in the UK yeah. and write all these blog posts. It's it, yeah. it's so brilliant. I love the way you frame it. And then you you would put your walking tours together. You would put, you know, foodie tours together. You would do, I don't know. I mean, whatever you, you know, you had in mind, someone will suggest it in a comment and you'll go, what a great idea. I could do a, what, you know, like a, bar hopping tour on a Friday night. I mean, someone just comes up with an idea. And if you've got your ear to the ground, if you've got your eyes open, you know, metaphorically speaking, you'll see ideas. You'll This is what my morning walk, without it, I'm not inspired for the day. And so that's where my inspiration comes. And so go off, do that, come back, and then just go with an idea until it runs out of steam. So my printables, I bought a domain name. I've created some of the photos that I just took in Rarotonga. I've got some little sayings. I've got this great picture. I just love the sun is just shining on the waves that are coming across the sandbar. The sandbar, ironically, in the middle of the lagoon is called heaven. And I've just put, then sings my soul in script writing across, and it just looks epic. And I've just put that up there on my new printable site. And so we'll see. <laughs> Let's give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Your passion is so infectious. And yeah, it's just been such a pleasure to speak with you, Megan. I'm Thank sure you. that there is going to be listeners who are so keen to learn more about you. Where is the best place for people to find you? So bloggeratlarge.com is my travel blog. And on there, you'll find widgets on the side for my tours, my my content on how to make money blogging, and you can join me on my Facebook page as well, Blogger at Large. You can join my Blogger at Large Tours Facebook group if you want to ever join me on a tour. I'm, I'm everywhere. Just look look for me and you will find me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I, I, I will be joining that Facebook group. <laughs> Do. Oh, thank you. I so appreciate this. Thanks, Cara. You have a wonderful day as well. 